You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Welcome everyone to the MJ Sportscast here, uh, devastating week edition of the show. Uh, my name is Mike Tang. I'm joined by Jerry. Jerry Yang, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm feeling a little somber, you know, a little bit sad and disappointed. But, you know, looking at the glass half full, though, I think this team overachieved and exceeded expectation. I mean, when the team was three and five, did you really expect us to make the NFC championship game? You know, but I guess the part that's a little bit bummer is the fact that we went to the fourth quarter with a lead and the Shanahan dropping the ball with a lead in the big game continues. This is a third game where he's a part of that. You know, I, I feel like once they have the lead or once the Niners have the lead or Shanahan has a lead, he gets a little bit more conservative, you know, and his play call overall. And, you know, just disappointed overall, I guess. Are, are you feeling okay now? I guess it's good that we record on Tuesday because we have one day to kind of, uh, you know, digest, I guess, what had happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking I was about excited. it. I was definitely thinking about it all day yesterday. And if we were to have this podcast on a Monday morning, morning morning or monday afternoon i might have went all stephen a smith on you, you know? <laughs> so, i'll um, go all skip bayless on you too right i mean that's uh you know you can't help but get emotional and invested in this team because uh, and that's the part i thought was the most disappointing because i actually really like this team you know i like the makeup the chemistry the debo um, even like Jimmy G, like how everyone rallied behind him, knowing this is the last dance for him. It would have been a great ending to his career with the Niners if they had, you know, won the Super Bowl, right? Get the quest for six. And I think Jimmy G, even though he's not the greatest quarterback and we can get into all the mistakes he made, he brought us to a Super Bowl once and he almost did it twice. And if we have one, he'll still be memorialized among. 49ers history, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but since it didn't happen, it's kind of disappointing, right? And I think this team, hopefully we can keep a lot of the guys, and we'll talk about free agency, I think, in this episode. But it, it just will never be the same, no matter what, right? This team is going to be completely different next year, I think. Um, from I know some of the key guys will stay, but without Jimmy G as your quarterback, the makeup of the team in terms of on-the-field play call, and the feel of the actual game and the way they run their offense is going to be completely different, you know? So, so hopefully for the better, but we'll see. I, I project a couple of rough years before we can see, uh, you know, a playoff berth again. Really? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Depending on what moves we make, that could be the case. Right. And it's completely possible because we have the most free agents on our team, you know, mm-hmm. and, because of that, and our cap number wasn't the NFL cap number came out. I think it was around two hundred and sixty million or something like that. It wasn't as much as they anticipated, you know. And I think for the cap reasons alone, 
we're not going to keep Jimmy G. And we can't get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, for example, who's going to command $20 million, you know, considering Debo and Bosa are due for contracts. I know they have one more year left, but the trend for most big stars now, looking at Fred Warner, looking at George Kittle, is they get the contract a year before it expires, right? It might not hit the cap right away, yeah. but you're going to have to allocate that money, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, potentially this team couldn't be. Um, we are still going to be good, I think, right? I think we'll be competitive, but nothing's guaranteed, you know, so. It makes it more likely that Jimmy Garoppolo um, has thrown his last football or, you know, played his last snap as a 49er just because of those reasons that you listed. And then the major reason why he's not coming back and why the Niners definitely need that $25 million um, off the off the payroll at, at the moment mm-hmm. is because Debo Samuel will be getting an extension. And I, I'm thinking he is not going to come to training camp if he's not going to get an extension. Um, Same with Nick Bosa, right? Because Nick Bosa has one more year left. He's not going to play on his rookie contract especially for the year that he had, right? So I think both those guys were in demand an extension. And I think Debo might be hopefully more of a team-friendly contract. Not saying we're going to underpay him, but maybe he won't set the market. Mm-hmm. But I think Bosa will, right? Because Bosa is one of the best linebackers in the league. And that position, that edge position, is one of the top positions on defense, right? It's like the equivalent of a quarterback on the defensive side. So that's going to definitely set the market, I think. Yeah, definitely. So do we want to kind of talk about the future of the quarterback position first, or do we want to talk about some of the game? Let's uh, finish the game because I think that's still fresh in our minds still, and then we can go um, go into the future after, right? And I think what I saw in the game, and I, and I break it down very like, simply, right? I think it was really the fourth quarter, obviously, right? We had the 10-point lead. And I think uh, one of the biggest plays was that one possession where it was, what, second and one. We decided to, you know, run the ball with um, Kyle Juszczyk on third down and end up losing a yard. And then, or sorry, we ran it, I think, with uh, Mitchell, right, and lost a yard, so it became third and two. And we got really conservative and tried to get fancy with shifting Trent Williams and running Juszczyk. And we lost a yard and became third and a uh, fourth and two. And guess what happened? Shanahan ended up punting the ball first possession with uh, first drive after that. You know, Chakwasi um, Tart ended up dropping an interception, right? So I think that sequence from not going for on fourth, not giving the Debo, right, on that drive at all who has been your playmaker and not him not even touching the ball in the fourth quarter. That's really what losses a game. I think at that moment, the Rams already had the momentum and they were able to drive the ball back, you know, drive the ball all the way across the field. Even when we pinned them back in the five or whatever, our defense wasn't getting stops. I think the way I saw uh, Matt Stafford in the second half is he was playing a lot quicker. He was getting the ball out a lot quicker. He was scrambling a lot better. Um, so the linebackers were a non-factor in some ways because he was able to get that ball out quicker than any of the other games we played. And OBJ and 
Um, I think Cam Akers really stepped it up for the team. I mean, obviously, Cooper Cup, right, has always been a problem for us. I was actually really surprised that Quan Alexander was getting, or sorry, Quan K1 Williams was getting beat left and right, you know, and he's usually been pretty good at stopping Cooper Cup. So I think all those things pay the factor to our loss. And, you know, I don't know what your thoughts on it, Mike, but to me, that was really the deciding factor of the game, you know. Yeah, yeah, we can always point to those sequence of events there, not converting third and two, running the, well, it was second and two, right? And then they didn't convert yeah. third and two when they tried to go with a, with Trent Williams, um, going in motion there, trying to make a decoy running play. But the Rams were just really prepared on stopping the run mm -hmm. um, this week. Uh, they were determined not to have Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel beat them. Um, at the line of scrimmage. And when they got stopped at third and two there and Juszczyk got stopped, you can kind of feel the momentum shift, right? Mm -hmm. And then when when Shanahan decided not to go for it on fourth and two, I think um, I think that was basically the game, right? And it was kind of an indicator of how Kyle Shanahan has coached um, yeah. these past three playoff losses. Um, You're conservative once we had the lead, right? I think that's... The that's a part where I feel like if we don't have the lead, we play a lot more aggressive. Like we go for on fourth and two or fourth and whatever. I mean, there's times where you went for on fourth and three or five, right? So, and I think the Rams actually beat us in our own game. They gave us a gave us a test of, a taste of our own medicine, right? They were running the ball a lot more, more aggressive on the lines. I think both the D line, and the O lines were were our team was getting beat. You know, the Rams stepped it up and, you know, we weren't winning in the trenches and we weren't able to dominate the time of possession and not able to convert third downs like the Rams were. So, and that was yeah. a surprise to and, me. And it's also what you mentioned too, the inability to give it to your star players in the fourth yeah. quarter and in crunch time. It's unacceptable that guys like Kittle and Debo Samuel combined like two or three targets in like that, in that second half or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And Kittle didn't even get a target, I don't believe, right after his touchdown reception yeah. um, right. in the second I think half. That's and two it's overall, just, right? And so. it's just like, it's just an over, it's just an overwhelming theme of the Kyle Shanahan era. This happened in the Super Bowl. We couldn't get it to our playmakers at all in that game. Um, we, this, it happened in this game. And it's frustrating because we see the other side, that other team, they were. They were getting it to Cooper Cup almost every possession mm -hmm. at will. And T. Higgins as well, right? The tight end until he got hurt. Then their tight end ended up setting it. The backup tight end ended up getting it as well, right? Blanton was getting all the targets. So, you know, none of those guys should be beaten that way. I think Kill only had two targets overall. Like, you had four. Ebo had four, right? So I think it was like you it's said, not man. enough. Not it, enough. It's, it's just not, not enough. enough. I don't care if you're dedicated to running the ball 35, 40 times, but circumstances change, you know, mm -hmm. and you need to get your guys out there getting targets. I mean, Kittle's great at blocking and everything. Debo Samuel is great at blocking, but you're paying these guys to catch the ball and make plays, especially in key post postseason moments. And it just didn't happen. And, and that's, the, that's the most frustrating part. Even that last interception by Jimmy Garoppolo, it's a little like, you know, heave shot over to a guy like Jermichael Hasty. <laughs> and what has Jermichael yeah. Hasty done all season long or the last two seasons? He's done. It was a desperation play, man. It was desperate. Right. And <laughs> it's the type of play that Jermichael Hasty, he's not going to make. 
And even if he catches the ball, do we have any confidence he's going to make a play there? Right? He hasn't done anything the past two seasons. So it's it's really it's very very frustrating as a Niner fan, and I could understand the fans' frustrations just because their inability, like we mentioned, to get the ball to their star players, and then Kyle Shanahan's offensive playbook it seems like it diminishes. Right? People are calling him a freaking dinosaur because he can't get any passing plays in crunch time. So, I mean, that's I think that's just the general uh, summary of it. To be honest with you. On the other side of the ball with McVay, I don't think he had a great game management either, right? He suffers the same problem as Kyle Shanahan. He had no timeouts. He had some weird challenges. But in the end, they were able to close out the game. And I think that's why it was such a close game because both teams don't have coaches that can manage games very well. And one of the things that I heard was really interesting is why doesn't Kyle Shanahan delegate that game management to someone on the team? Maybe have the offensive coordinator manage that stuff right like hey on this play we should call a timeout at the end of it or we should definitely go for it on fourth if we don't get the first down here right like things like that and or we should call a timeout here i thought um kyle should have burned that timeout at the end i feel like um because we had three timeouts at one point and you can tell jimmy g was a little rattled and you can tell uh, sometimes the defense was getting a little rattled. I think the timeout could have settled the team a little bit and maybe, you know, I don't know if they'll convert anything or, like, make plays, but at least it's not in this, like, panic mode, you know, especially when Jimmy got sacked once. Yeah, does the NFL have a limitation on how many, like, coaches can stand on the sideline or how many you can have on your roster there? So, you know, an approach I think the NFL team should make is kind of similar to, like, the San Francisco Giants approach in baseball where they just basically stockpile the dugout with all these types of coaches, right? And have something where you have maybe one assistant on each side of you, right? One for game planning, and then the other maybe is a statistical genius or something like that. And kind of having those type of guys giving you advice throughout the game, as opposed to you kind of trying to deal with all this yourself. And maybe you talk to a coordinator upstairs. Maybe Mm -hmm. you talk to another guy through your headpiece. But I think it would be wise to have people right next to you, you know, helping you out with these type of decisions. So I think that's something the Niners should definitely be looking into moving forward. Yeah, I agree, because I think um, they have those guys that you mentioned. But I think those guys, like the analytic guys, really come in after the game, right? They give all the statistics, all the things for film, but they're not really there for the game day, right? And I think they would really benefit for having someone like that. So hopefully he makes adjustments going forward, but I know a lot of fans don't trust Shanahan to win the big one, you know, and similar to what Harbaugh was with the Niners or his whole career as well, right? Like I know he's being considered a head coaching job in the NFL, but none of those guys have proven that they can close out a big game yet. So it's, uh, I think that's a frustration and disappointment that happened, right? So I think at this point, Moving forward, I think Kyle is still the coach for us. I think he's still the right coach, but I think he needs to make some changes. Like, what do you think? I, I think he doesn't have confidence in his quarterback there. And I was mm. just thinking, would, would, the, would the end result change if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback of that game against the Rams mm-hmm. there? I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just not too sure. But I think we would have a little bit of a better chance if Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. was our quarterback. Because he has zero confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo making a play in the fourth quarter. 
right. at all. Like, and it's, yeah, imagine if you had a guy like Tom Brady or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, right? I think they make a play, you know, like with a bad offensive line. And we can talk about the Super Bowl later, but Joe Burrow has one of the worst offensive lines. Um, he got sacked nine times in the first game, two sacks in the last game, but the guy's a playmaker, right? He he bails out that bad offensive line, you know? So a guy like Jimmy, no, right? It's like 50-50, maybe even lower when it comes to, you know, when the line isn't playing well. And I think part of the frustration for me is I think we really wanted Trent Williams out there um, to play, but obviously he looked like he was 100%. And I don't know why we couldn't have put Colton McKivitz in there who played in week 18 against the Rams, mm-hmm. at least for a few snaps. Right. Um, I mean, it can't get worse than a broken Trent Williams. I think they wanted to put Trent Williams in there to show some stats or for his first NFC championship game, you know, he was kind of relying on the veteran guys. Um, so it's a trend from Shanahan. And I hope guys like Aaron Banks will help us with our offensive line. I think we definitely need help on the right tackle position. Tom Compton, I think, was good as a backup for the season, but near the playoff time and near the end of the season, he was getting beat, right? And they had to put guys like Kittle or use check to help support that right side. The right side's a big hole in the Niners. So yeah. it's um we're not gonna go far if the right side of the ball is not gonna work along with our secondary. So yeah, I think uh, what's most visible to everyone is the quarterback position is lacking in terms of you know execution in the second mm-hmm. half, and then the secondary also is a liability. And then when you don't have those two things in sync with each other, you're it's tough to really make it far into the playoffs. And well, luckily, luckily we did right. We got away with um, kind of a semi broken secondary right with people being injured throughout the playoffs and the quarterback position we were able to mask you know his limitations by running the ball but at the same time quarterbacks win in this league you know and the two quarterbacks that are in the super bowl uh joe burrow and matt stafford which the rams acquired and we did not so that was a miss on our end too you know and that's why we're not playing in the big game and that and that's why the rams are yeah, I think we were lucky in a lot of the games as well. And our luck ran out, right? I think Jaquaski Tart, if he had that interception, might have masked a lot of this errors that we saw, you know. <laughs> but even then it's not guaranteed. The offense might have gone three and out and we could have had the same results, you know. So I, I don't think it's fair for the fans to really be beat up on Tart. And I saw there was a few fans that did. Everyone every team opened, needs you know? a scapegoat, right? So yeah. <laughs> number one scapegoat, of course, is Timmy Tart. G, Second, Tart. of course, yeah. is the quarterback. Third is the play caller. You yeah. know, and then anyone else after that. So um let's kind of talk about the future of Jimmy Garoppolo because it does look like he's not coming back to the team um for the reasons that we mentioned earlier in the show um here. What do you think the 49ers can um, realistically get for him? I don't know, man. I don't think we're going to get a second-round pick for him like we gave up. right? We gave up a second round to get him. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking we're going to get a later-round pick. Hopefully, we can get like a fourth and fifth pick. You know, um, And I think it's okay, actually, because Lynch does a lot better drafting late in the drafts anyways. You know, And then I think a team that a lot of people are associating him with is the Saints. Right. The Saints seem to have a lot of interest in 
and uh, Jimmy. Um, I'm hearing from Ian Rappaport was kind of reporting on that. So that's like the most likely team, but we'll see how it goes. I think at this rate, though, it's pretty good because there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Um, you think about the Washington football team, potentially Seattle, Packers, Saints, maybe even the Panthers, right? Um, Tampa, Steelers, they all need quarterbacks. There's definitely a market that people need a QB. So there might be there might be some interest for Jimmy, and we might be able to pin teams against each other in the market to, to get better return. And he's in a pretty good position, Jimmy Garoppolo is, just because there's not a lot of top-tier quarterbacks coming out of this draft, and there's not a lot of top-tier quarterbacks available. So yep. Jimmy's in a very, very good spot here. And I also have a feeling that the Niners will be able to accommodate Jimmy Garoppolo and where he wants to go to. He's not just going to send him to some, you know, team with, with no talent who's going to mm-hmm. beat him up, you know, um, throughout the season. I think he's going to go to a team that's going to have talent, that's going to be able to accommodate him. And I don't know if he if they're going to ship him to the AFC, you know, um, a, a team that's that you mentioned is the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example. I think that would be a very good situation for Jimmy Garoppolo um, there. But we don't know what other teams view him as, right? We see yep. him week in and week out. We see the mistakes he makes every game mm-hmm. um, here. But there's going to be teams who are desperate, just like how teams were desperate mm-hmm. and they got Mike Glennon mm-hmm. one off season, you know, and mm-hmm. they would pay him big money. Um, and then yeah, there's I mean, also there's- another factor, too, where – Jimmy Garoppolo still has one more season in this deal, right? What if they acquire Jimmy Garoppolo and then what are they going to do to resign him again? Is he going to bolt? You know, is he going to want to, uh, you know, sign another massive contract after this? You know, there's a lot of things um, to keep in mind here. It's not like he's just a restricted free agent and be able to pick whatever team he wants. Yeah, I mean, he has his no trade clauses gone. So I think Niners can trade anywhere, but I agree with you. He put a lot of work and effort into the season, and he took, you know, having Trey Lance there with class, you know, so he didn't burn a bridge with the team, and the team tends to take care of their guys that they trade, you know, so like Buckner, they traded to the Colts um, because they knew that was a winning team, right, so it'll be interesting, and one of the teams I'm hoping we can trade for in this kind of a dream scenario, even though the cap can work out, is the Houston Texans, right, imagine we can trade them there, and try to get Davis Mills as a backup because you're going to need some depth at quarterback. And Nate Studfield, I mean, let's just face it, right? The dude's a practice player. He's not going to be your your perennial number two QB, you know? And a guy like Davis Mills, who is a Stanford guy, you know, I think will be a good backup. So dream scenario, maybe it will happen, maybe it won't, you know? And I think the timeline when we'll find out is Jimmy G's can get surgery on his thumb. It's a four to six week recovery, which is aligns with the timelines because um, trading and free agent the season starts actually on March 16th officially, right? So you can't actually trade until March 16th. So this four to six weeks timeline is going to align with that. I think we'll find out before March 16th because typically these trades get made before the deadline or the start of the trading season starts, you know? So, yeah. so I think potentially the beginning of March we'll know if the trades will happen. Uh, and we don't, it might drag out till the draft because sometimes people trade during the draft because their guys aren't available, you know, so. 
Yeah, it's going to be tough for the 49ers to get more than a third-round pick, I believe, here. Uh, we kind of look at maybe the last few quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that were dealt recently. One was Sam Darnold, right? And he had a pretty bad first several years as a Jet. And mm -hmm. the Panthers, they gave up a six-rounder last year, and then they're giving up a second and fourth rounder this year, right? Not exactly a lot, but I mean, yeah. a lot of teams are not giving up high draft picks, you know, this this draft, you know, or the, right. or this season here. Another example is Carson Wentz. Um, you know, they gave up a third round pick um, in 2021 and then a conditional mm -hmm. first rounder this year too. So, I mean, that would be great, honestly, if we can get like a fourth or fifth rounder this year and then, and then a second round pick the following year, I'll take that. I'll take that yeah, any man. day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, so we'll see. I mean, we'll keep our eye out for it on the news and you'll hear it first when, when the news breaks. So, <laughs> yeah. So it looks like D'Amico Ryan's um, wants to stay with the Niners um, here. Are you surprised that he's not looking to pursue a, a head coach job, a, a head coach uh, position um, here? Because these jobs don't come around too often. And even when um, you're a candidate, sometimes it's really tough to win that position or win win the job, you know, especially being in a minority and such. Um, so I'm, I was a little surprised that D'Amico Ryans didn't go for a second interview with the Vikings because I think that Vikings job isn't the worst job in the world. I think they're mm -hmm. on the brink of uh, making some um, – of making the playoffs – um, here, but uh, are you a little surprised? Yeah, I was a little surprised, you know, like for the reasons that you talked about. But, you know, and D'Amico Ryan maybe felt, didn't feel like he was ready, you know. And sometimes when you're not ready, it's better not to take the job and fail than yeah. to, you know, stay with a situation. And it, I think it speaks volumes to the Niners locker room as well, right? I mean, the Niners, the fact that he wants to stay really tells you that maybe the Niners culture is pretty good. You know, and he still mm -hmm. believes in this team, and he feels like he obviously is staying because he felt like he can learn more from Kyle Shanahan. You know, so yeah. and to me, I think that's a positive, right? Because I think we should keep some consistency on the coordinator positions if we can. You know, having Robert Sala gone, and this was the Miko Ryan's first year. There were some rough patches in the beginning. He took some some time to adjust, and I think even towards the end of this season, you know, you saw in the last game, there were some adjustments that he could have made that he didn't. So I think he's still learning on the job in a lot of ways. So maybe that's why he didn't feel like a head coaching job was something that he could excel in. And if you don't think he can excel in it, then there's no point in trying to take that job, right? Yeah, it could be all other various reasons too. Maybe uh, he didn't want to move to Minnesota. Maybe he, yeah. didn't, maybe he didn't like the roster. Right. Maybe he didn't really like the situation. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's good for the Niners. That's good for the fans because some continuity with that defense would be nice for next season. Yeah. I think the biggest risk is Mike McDaniels right now. Um, yeah. It's generating a lot of interest from the Dolphins. Mm. And there's some rumors actually the Dolphins are waiting on Jim Harbaugh's response and McDaniels is second choice. But who knows? Right. Those are all rumors. Uh, I think it'll be a big loss to lose McDaniels. I think McDaniels has been a pretty good coordinator for us. He's part of that coaching tree with, um, you know, Jay Gruden, Washington football team, where they had, 
you know, all those guys had Sean McVay and um, LaFleur and Shanahan, right? So he's part of the, that group, you know? So I think some continuity for Lance will be good too with McDaniels, but in the end, I feel like Kyle dominates that team on offense anyways. So if he were to leave, I can kind of see it because even though you're the OC, you're really not completely the OC because Kyle's calling a lot of the shots, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the Niners can find someone who can help out with the passing game too, you know. And McDaniels is great, but his main role was just, you know, putting in passing package or running packages for Shanahan. Mm -hmm. And we've already seen a lot of that, you know, and what made uh, Mike Shanahan, um, his father so great was that he really got Steve Young going in the early nineties, early Mm -hmm. in games where he blew teams out by throwing touchdown passes and putting Steve Young in position to win in the passing game Mm -hmm. here. And I'm just hoping that Shanahan or, Kyle Shanahan turns into that direction and instead of trying to run the ball 35 plus times and take time of possession off the clock, I'm hoping that we can just blow teams out, you know, and mm-hmm. and not have to be in these type of situations where we have to rely on our run. So yep. that's something that I want to I want to see from the coaching staff next season. Agree. Yep, agreed. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, you know, obviously Trey Lance is a different factor now. You know, I think they have to redraw the whole offensive scheme. Now, I'm wondering if this is a uh, a thing that Shanahan can open up a playbook, right? Like he already had some plays I knew Jimmy just can't make, and potentially Lance can. But I think the biggest thing is the trust factor that you mentioned with Jimmy G, where he didn't trust Jimmy G. But will he trust Trey Lance? I think that's going to be an interesting question, you know. And I think a lot of reports are coming out that Trey Lance is looking good in practice. And he's looking like a guy that can be trusted. So there's some positive uh, signs there, but, you know, it's not guaranteed. It's not. But just having that physical ability there and what's reported is that, you know, he plays super well in practices. He sees the field um extraordinarily well there so um it's definitely something to keep an eye for this off season and in training camp yeah he has good work ethic um he's kind of a modern quarterback right because he can get done with his legs i think those are all positives so yeah should we transition a little bit into the nba um here yeah. let's talk about the warriors um it looks like steph curry's back into form in a sense it looked like, you know, he was struggling a lot the past 10 games, but, you know, he dropped 40 points last night against the Rockets. Yeah, it, it is the Rockets, but, you know, <laughs> nice to see Steph Curry come back and uh, get his swag on and everything. Right. Um, what's really surprising to us, I think uh, Andrew Wiggins making the All-Star team and not just making the All-Star team, but being a starter Star. onto that All-Star team there. And... Um, there were reports that, you know, there was maybe some sort of, um, you know, Taiwanese, you know, pop star. No, Korean, right? Was it Korean? The was it Taiwanese star? or Korean? Yeah, it's it either Korean. one of those, yeah. right? <laughs> so one of them posted something on um, on Twitter to vote for Andrew Wiggins here, and it looked like that hit it off, 
with the fans and uh, yeah. other other people in different countries. Do you think that's well deserved that Wiggins got in? Um, you know, a lot of a lot of players, you know, got overlooked for that starting position. You know, guys like Devin Booker um, and and other players as well. So, what yeah. do you think about that? Well, you know what? Uh, he also got the players' votes, so it wasn't all on the K-pop <laughs> stars. You know, <laughs> I think it's just a good story, right? Like a guy that was with the team walls and was kind of going nowhere, and now he's become a focal point or a key key piece for the Warriors and having a positive attitude and seeing a lot of improvements. A lot of people like that, you know, like both from a coaching perspective and a player's perspective, people can respect it. And was I surprised? Yeah. I think a lot of people thought like, you know, other guys, like you mentioned, like Devin Booker or Cat or whoever can take that position, but I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's there. And yeah, there's not much to say there because I think for the Warriors, which is kind of interesting because in the past, it's always been Clay, Draymond, and Curry. Right? Curry has always been be there, I feel like. Yeah. Um, just very few people in the West, especially, that can overtake Curry's all-star starting position there. Um, and obviously, Draymond with the injury is out this year, but previously, he's always been a staple, right? And same with Clay. So, so yeah, it's nice to see Wiggins there. I didn't think we'll have another All Star besides Curry, so it was a pleasant surprise, and I think it's well deserved. He definitely balled out this season and last season, right? Last season, I think he was even more important with a lot of guys out. So, yeah, yeah it's been a heck of a ride for Wiggins. First in the off season regarding the vaccination issue, right, and then. You know, there are some um, rumblings from fans wanting him to be traded or maybe the organization wanted to move on from this, but mm-hmm. they've uh, stuck it out with him. He ended up getting vaccinated um, here. He had a little bit of a slow start to start the season. Mm-hmm. It might have been for various reasons. And then he kind of just, kind of, you know, he was really reliable um, throughout like, you know, November and December. Um, here so and he's having like some of his best percentage numbers of his career in terms of like his uh, field goal percentage and three-point percentage Um, and Curry we mentioned that you know Wiggins has just been so reliable you know hitting the three that uh, yeah he's just a key component of this team and I'm just really happy that he made it and was recognized by both the fans and the players yeah, I think the biggest knock on him was that in big moments he kind of disappears, though, right? Like yeah. when, especially when teams are down or teams are close. And I don't think that's changed too much, unfortunately. But you, you do see some progressions, right? There's times where he does kind of show out, but he's not going to be someone like KD, right? So that's where I think the expectations need to be tapered a little bit there. Mm-hmm. But I do agree he's a really good player, though. So, yeah, like you said, I'm happy for him that he got it. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our picks for the week. All right, so we only have one pick, and it's kind of an interesting pick. Um, so Warriors are playing the Spurs at San Antonio. Uh, <laughs> spread was formerly minus three, actually moved to plus four. And the reason why is uh, Curry's out tonight. Wiggins is out. Porter is out. Hobson's out. Iguodala is out. Draymond's out. Well, this, uh, I can't pronounce this dude's name, but... Felicia is out. James Wiseman is out, which we kind of expected. So kind of a skeleton crew. 
right? And so that's why now Warriors go from a favored team to a underdog team on this back-to-back night. And yeah. the over-under stayed relatively the same. I think formerly it was 217.5, moved to like 223 at one point, and then moved back down to 220. So I think it was when the news came out, it actually moved from 223 to 20, right? Um, so I guess, Mike, who do you have? Gosh, I'm surprised they didn't um, put Kavon Looney on that out list too. Yeah. You know, he's been putting in a, he's been putting in good work, by the way. I know I was a little critical of Looney in the beginning of this season. Yeah, but he's getting but some rebounds now, right? He's been, he's been really working hard with that um, one assistant coach who was hired um, here, and it looks like it's been paying dividends uh, for Looney. And he's just been balling out of control this season. So props to Looney there. I forgot about that coach, but you're right. I think that's. Some- that makes me more excited for James Wise when he comes back, right? Because if you can work with Lumi like this, imagine what you can do with a guy that's even more talented than Wiseman. You know? so, yeah. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> any other season, I don't think I'm watching this game, right? But I'm going to be kind of uh, tuned in. I'm going to. I'm interested to watch uh, Moses Moody play. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to watch Kaminga, Chioza, baby. You know, coming <laughs> coming from the bench. Yeah, and then we have Jordan Poole. So I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout, but I do think that we just won't have enough depth to pull through in this game um, here. So I'm going to pick the Spurs and I'm going to pick the under on this. What do you think? Yeah, you know, this is <laughs> kind of an unusual game, right? Um I think the old line of minus four is, is or minus three is definitely out the window. Like, there's no way we should be favored in this game. Uh, but plus four is kind of interesting. You know, if mm-hmm. that many people out, you would think it's like more of a plus six or plus eight type of line. So maybe Vegas feels like there is something going still <laughs> that yeah. it could still be somewhat close. So I'll, with that, I'll, I'll go with Warriors plus three with the points. You know, hopefully the team can keep it close, but. Most likely, I think you're right. Um, over under, though, yeah, man, the 220 figure, right? That's so tough. I don't know. I think, yeah, I'll go with the under with you as well, just because I think both sides will have somewhat trouble scoring, or maybe it'll be really lopsided. Yeah, it's, it's really out. tough for me to see the Warriors scoring 110, for example, right? Yeah. And, and making it a game. Um, right. here you know they if they can cross 100 points that would be good right but with this roster in place for tonight it's going to be really very difficult it's like who's going to generate the offense is really just some poor you know? <laughs> um so i agree yeah the under is probably the way to go here i was surprised to stay at 220 I would yeah. think it goes down to like 210 or something or 215 even, you know, yeah. but it stayed pretty, pretty stable. I was kind of checking it through the day to see if it changed, but it's stuck at 220. Yeah, but don't be surprised if the Warriors pull it off too, you know, like um, th- it's pretty talented. Yeah. They have a pretty talented back end of the roster. Um, yeah. I think Mingo's that's no slouch. Moody tested, played right? well last night. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Poole, you know, he's going to want to score 30 points plus points tonight, knowing that he's going to, you know, get the ball. So I'm going to be watching, but it's going to be tough to pick against the Spurs, you know, with this Warriors roster in place. 
Yeah, hopefully we'll be watching the whole game, you know. If, you know <laughs> if we turn off early, it's because it probably blows out at that point, you know what I mean? So let's, let's see. You know, at least we'll watch starting from the beginning. <laughs> you know? Real quick, do you like these 4.30 um, Pacific time starts um, here, or do you prefer the 7 o'clock? Because for me personally, I don't mind the 4.30 p.m. Just because, like, once it's over, I can still, like, you know, gradually have dinner be able to um, comprehend the game and everything before bed. But, you know, those 7, 7.30 p.m. starts, you know, that sometimes they end at like 10 o'clock. You're yeah. kind of wired from the game. You can't sleep. You know? <laughs> like, that's my that's that's my take. But do you – it sounds like, you, like, like it. The, you like the no, 7 no, no. o'clock one better, right? No, I like the 4 o'clock game better. You know, I think I agree with you. It gets more East Coast eyes on the game as well. Mm. I think that's a big thing. A lot of, you know, all-star voting, which, you know, ended but at least, you know, articles on the Warriors on a national level. If you have games earlier, guys will probably report more on it. Um, so it gets more East Coast eyes. I agree if you like having the <laughs> early ending so that you can kind of do other stuff, sleep early, all this yeah. stuff, right? So it's, so I, I actually do kind of like it. Right? I do kind of like it. I think at first I was kind of against it, but then, after a while, I was like, actually, this is a really good idea. Why are other games like this? <laughs> so, I just thought it was interesting that it's 4 o'clock. I guess it's like a 7 o'clock start for the East Coast. It ends around 10 for them. I think it's pretty reasonable. You know? um, yeah, I, I, I like it. Do you think a 6 p.m. Pacific time start in the West Coast is too early, especially for people getting off work mm -hmm. and stuff? Here, because you know the Giants, they adapted. They adapted kind of like a six to six thirty-five p.m. start for their night games. Um, yeah. Here, so I don't know. You know, I think what's best for the Warriors though is probably seven o'clock, just so it gives time to travel for people to travel to the to the game and everything. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I think six o'clock is kind of the compromise, right, between four <laughs> o'clock and seven. So I don't think that extra hour makes a huge difference, to be honest with you. But it's, uh, yeah, like, yeah, the four o'clock definitely makes a huge difference. <laughs> like you said, yeah, to fill an arena, it's going to be pretty tough at four. Yeah, definitely. Well, that wraps it up this week here. Um, you know, it was a little bit of a devastation uh, after that loss on Sunday. <laughs> But I think it was great to have one day to um, kind of marinate over the game um, here. So and, well, I guess one know, last think, thing for me is um, what do you think about Tom Brady's retirement? I think he officially announced it today. There was a lot of leaks out from Schefter, but then he retracted. I heard that there was like an incentive for him to not announce his retirement until the first. And that's why Tom Brady wasn't very happy he got out early. He wanted to be the first to announce it, but... You know, like, I guess, real quick, what, what do you think of his career overall? And do you think he has a coaching position you know, that might be in the sights for him over here, maybe at the Niners, you know? Yeah, I, I think he's had a great career here. Um, one of the best players or NFL players of all time. But I think in another episode, I want to talk about who really is the greatest of all time here. And spoiler alert, I don't think it is Tom Brady. You know, so we so, still on the Joe train, huh? Are you the Joe train? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good episode to debate because I do think Tom Brady is the best of all time. So I think we can can debate that through. But 
to me, I just I think his overall work is great, and um, him being able to do of another team without mm-hmm. Belichick spoke a lot to me. And I think Belichick's not going to retire until he wins the Super Bowl too. <laughs> and I think that's why Josh McDaniels left. Right, Josh McDaniels took a head coaching position with the Raiders. Yeah, I think he was waiting for Belichick to retire, and that time never came. And so he was like, "All right, I have another opportunity. The Raiders." see ya right so you know at some point maybe he can come back but i think it was an interesting hire for the raiders to take josh mcdaniels too he didn't do that well with denver but i think partially why he got the job is he laid out all the mistakes he made with denver and they gave him the gig so yeah all right well that's it for this week here we'll talk more about the super bowl here after we uh after we shed some tears this week but uh (laughs) Definitely not ready to talk about Rams, Bengals just yet, but we will on our next episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.